Well, it's good to be together today, isn't it, church? Merry Christmas to everyone here. And we, uh, we had our Christmas service last week as well, and uh, before Christmas, and I hope that everyone had a nice time yesterday with your family, and I just want to bless you, and, and uh, the Lord is with us, isn't he? And I'm just so thankful. I'm so grateful. I don't know about you, but something about just saying his name today, uh, I love the Lord, as I know you all do too, but sometimes, who says his name sometimes and you just can't? Sometimes it's just different. It's good to be in his house and to proclaim his name. It is true that the kingdom of darkness shakes. They understand that there is a time coming where everything will be wrapped up. The, the enemy said, the demons said to Jesus, there with the pigs, they said, are you going to judge us before the time? So they are aware that there is a time where everything gets wrapped up, and the little baby Jesus is riding on a white horse and with a triumphant kingdom. Amen. Who's looking forward to that day? There is a day coming where he rides, and, and it says, even death and hell itself are thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. And we're so thankful for this Jesus that was given to us. And uh, last week I spoke on how God placed, literally placed stars in the heavens. That means he had to do it before time began, right? Because star stars don't just suddenly appear. <clears throat> that means that God literally placed uh, a timeline in the heavens for us to see and to observe and to know just as firm and as fixed as the stars are in, in heaven, that we can know that that's how firm and fixed God's plan is for us. That even beforehand, before you even looked for the signs to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you, Jesus was already, right? He was already in the works. I hate to say it like that because that's, it's, we can't, I don't have the language. It's so much more beautiful and magnificent than that, isn't it? And in the same way, uh, every single thing in your life, just as it was, you are still making choices and decisions every day, but God is so big, he's so beyond, we just can't even imagine him, that he knows what you're going to do before you do it, and he has roadblocks, he has things set up in your path, he has, he has uh, stars leading you, so to speak, right? He has signs, he has moments in your life that are set up to lead you to him, right? Who can remember those moments in your life where suddenly you looked up and something that day was different, right? Somebody said something to you or the preacher said something or you heard something on the radio or you saw something on TV or whatever it was, but one day you said, Lord, I want to know you in a greater way. I want to know you at all, or I want to know you more today. I can remember those moments. I was raised in a Christian home, but I remember the moments as, an, as a teenager where the calling was there, where he was truly saying, now this is your star. Now I want you to follow me. I'm going to lead you to where you need to get to, where we do what? We come just as they did, and we bow before Christ, and we give our lives to him. We present him with something precious from us. Amen. So I just want to look again at Luke. I think that especially Christmas being yesterday, it's not often that we do a Christmas sermon at 
uh, uh, two weeks. Um, but this way we had Christmas both coming up and then after. So I just wanted to look at Luke again because there were the wise men and and there was, was a, a, another group of people that came and worshipped him. And we're going to look in the book of Luke, chapter 2. I just have a really short thing for you today, and I also assume that you want to uh, come here and worship God, but also get back to your families and bring him home with your family today and just enjoy your family. So I just want to bring something short and sweet. But in Luke, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, At that time... The Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Right, so we know this. This was historical. This was um, uh, history. But here was Mary and Joseph, and they were part of this kingdom. Right, they were in the earth and under the Roman Empire. So uh, this was the first census taken um, when this Q word Quirinius something was governor of Syria. And they all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. So, as Christians, we know that this is actually fulfilling many, many prophecies, right? There are so many prophecies here. And we looked last week that when the wise men came, they came and, and Herod didn't know, but the Jews did know, didn't they? Right? The Jews of that time, no matter what uh, a Jew might tell you today, that there either are or aren't looking for the Messiah. Our Bible tells us that the Jews were well aware that there was a Messiah, that he was coming, and where would he be born? They knew, because they answered Herod, he would be in Bethlehem. So this is fulfilling prophecy, and I love here in this story, and I think this, this is significant, I think we should point this out. Many times in your life, you think things are just normal. We're looking for doves to come down, and the Lord to show us supernatural signs to make decisions and moves, right? And, you know, many times your life, it is ordained by God, and it's so ordinary that you miss him in it. This was just a normal experience that they had to go through. And I guarantee that there were the conspiracy theorists saying, a census, what do they need a census for? Right, and all that stuff. Imagine all the different things and talks, and I don't, I'm not giving my information. I'm a Jew. I don't need to give the Romans anything. And all that normal stuff, you would have had politics and normal life going on. Isn't that funny? It's just the same people 2,000 years ago as it is today. And meanwhile, in the midst of that, God was unraveling prophecy right before our eyes, which was interesting because when we looked at the star last week that the wise men saw, it was the same exact stars that the rest of the world had the opportunity to see, but these men had eyes to see. They were looking differently at the same exact stars and meanwhile, our lives are supernatural. As believers, we know that, right? We have learned to know that. But sometimes, even as believers, we forget that God is working in, in and out of every single thing that we do. Every single situation, every single moment really is a chance for two things. It's a chance for him to show himself to you. And then as Christians, mature Christians, it's a chance for us to show Christ to the world around us. 
And don't just bypass moments and think that these are just the world we live in today. It's a fallen world, and this just stinks right now. Because we could do that, right? We could think, I just need to get through this time so I can get to a time that God has for me that's going to be supernatural ahead of me. And meanwhile, it's all part of the plan. And I say that a lot as, a, as pastor, but I just want you to say that out loud. It's all part of the plan. So I think that that was significant to point this out, that we're thinking, man, that's Roman. That's not our culture. You know, that's not who we are. We're Christians. You know, and I don't, the things of this world and all the corruption and all the evils that are going on in the world, I'm not part of that system. And yet God wrote down thousands of years in advance that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and in order to fulfill it was actually a worldly, not a Jewish thing. It was a corrupt, evil system that really had come in and was suppressing the Jews, right? They had taken over their land, and they had suppressed them and were over them. And meanwhile, it's exactly the system that God allowed to get into place to fulfill supernatural prophecies. Isn't that incredible? And that should encourage you in this time of 2020, 2021, and whatever we're going to see in 2022. Be encouraged. It doesn't matter what evils are happening and all the uh, corruptions or the questions, the confusion, or whatever it is for you in your life could be, you know, the, on the grand scale of what's happening in the world or something personal has happened in your family, in your, in your finances, in your job. You have to know that God is well aware, and not only is he well aware, but the situation you are in might just be exactly what God needs for the fulfillment of the plan he has for your life. Right? We need to believe that God has a plan for each and every one of us, that there is no one insignificant, and that's actually what I want to talk about today, that each of us are significant to God. I need you to say that out loud because sometimes we don't believe that. I'm significant to him. Right? To the world, we're insignificant. No one knows us. No one knows our names. Right? Who are we? But to God, we're very significant. The Bible says that he knows, he has numbered the hairs on our head. That's incredible because they're getting less. So I don't know, does he do like a prorated numbering? Because they're, they're becoming less and less. Which ones does he number? Does he number it when I'm old or does he number it when I'm young? I'm wondering that question now. But the Bible says that they traveled to Nazareth, right, and in Galilee. So he's fulfilling a few things. It's Bethlehem, it's Nazareth, Galilee. He's a Galilean, he's a Nazar Nazarene, and in Bethlehem, right? So a whole bunch of things are being fulfilled. Verse 5, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was now expecting the child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, this is also significant. We just imagine, well, what would you do with the baby? He's not going to just lay there naked, um, so we'd wrap him up. But I just want you to note here that this is important. Just note that in your mind, and I'm going to explain why this was important. But they wrapped him snugly in cloths and laid him in a manger. Now, verse 8 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Uh, and proper language would be probably there were shepherds shepherding, right? They were doing their job. They weren't just staying. They had a job to do, which was what? 
take care of sheep, right? So they were guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. I love when I read in the Bible the word suddenly. Who loves reading that word? It's another uh, point that should be made here that especially was this was an ordinary moment in time to, to the naked eye, but it was supernatural from God's perspective, wasn't it? And I love reading the word suddenly in the Bible because that is an indication uh, for me to pay attention uh, because the same exact thing happens for us. Who's had suddenly moments from God before? Right? Who has had those moments where suddenly, right? Sometimes you suddenly hear something you wish you didn't hear from God, and suddenly something really spectacular happens, right? There are suddenlies in God, and what they are, why the Bible was penned down, and why it was preserved. In fact, Luke himself said, you know, I did some deep thought. I thought about this, and I thought this should be written down. That's actually, you go back to Luke 1, and you'll read that he did some thinking, and thought, I need to pen down this story. I need to write down what has been told. And so the reason that he writes these words and tells us about suddenlies and for us to be able to read today is so that we would be encouraged that everything is normal. I'm just shepherding. I'm just a shepherd doing my job, and I'm just over here doing what I've done and my grandparents have done and my great-grandparents have done, and that's just it. We're just, you know, nothing special, just shepherding sheep. But suddenly God intervenes. And, and in a moment, my life is changed. In a moment, God comes into your ordinary, normal situation, and he was just as supernatural before, but suddenly he reveals the supernatural part about him that's always been supernatural to your ordinary, natural life. Isn't that incredible? And so he appears among them, this angel, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, again, I told you to pay attention. Why would this be a sign to shepherds, a baby wrapped in cloth? And again, we always... Uh, who's had a baby in here, a few of us, right, who has experienced that situation. You don't just leave the baby screaming and crying on a cold table, right? Of course, we would wrap them up, comfort them, put something on them, uh, make them feel comfortable, and keep them warm, etc., right? So why would this be a sign? So pay attention again. Verse 13, Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. You may notice the hosts of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying 
in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. So my question the last few days, I was actually meditating, just thinking, and I just said to someone, I was just wondering why the shepherds? Why shepherds? What was, what was the significance? Because you know that God doesn't do anything by accident. And we've already made that point now a couple of times. God is on purpose. It seems ordinary to us. I love the story. I've told you many times, but I'm going to say it again. Some scientists went out and they actually mapped the rugged coastlines. I think it was of England, but don't quote me on the part. But it was a ru the rugged cliffs and coastlines of, of one of the island kind of nations. And again, I think it was England that they did it to with those big, tall, you know, kind of jagged. They seem totally random and totally wild, right? But what happened is, is they took the data for mapping out the undulations, you know, the ins and outs and the ups and downs or whatever, and they put it into a computer and they converted the randomness to musical notes, right? Music goes like this, right? Anybody ever looked at music, right? You have the highs and the lows. And when they did it, and then they began to play it, it was the most beautiful music that they had ever heard. Kind of like a wind chime, right? It's just the randomness of the wind, and yet the randomness, the, the, it seems like just completely ordinary. You know, who, there's nothing directing the wind. It's just moving from the north you know, to the south, to the east, to the west, and it's just doing what it wants to do. And yet it creates a sound that's beautiful, right? Who loves a, a good wind chime? And it's really a picture of that there is no such thing as an accident. There is no such thing of, of God playing catch-up and trying to figure out what to do with us, to do with this earth. God is not trying to figure out what to do with 2020 and how do I make sense of 2021. God is not caught off guard, and it might seem random, and it might seem inconsistent, and it might seem like God's taking a vacation sometimes in your life. And it's just not true. That's the devil. That right there in the midst of your ordinary existence, maybe even a tough time in your ordinary existence, God has a plan and a purpose. And so when we ask the question, why the shepherds, as I began to ponder this question, I thought, well, God, you had a purpose, and I guarantee that it's significant because it wouldn't have been there for no reason at all. And so I thought, um, of all the important people, quote-unquote, isn't it funny that we think that some people are more important than, the, than others? Isn't it funny that if someone famous walked into this room that we would all turn and look? But it's just a person. He, he or she was, you know, born the same way that we were born. They've lived, you know, in the same exact existence that we have. And they actually, believe it or not, you can just watch, what's it, Real Hollywood Stories? You find out that they have the same struggles, right, that everyone else does. And yet we would be like, oh my gosh, that person is important, quote unquote. And you know, the Lord sees each and every person. I really want to get that into our heads today. And, and maybe you think, okay, well, I know that. I know the Lord loves me. But some people, even maybe just deep down, you do struggle with, does God love me? And I need you to know today that God loves you and that your life was on purpose. 
and that, you know, I've heard tremendous miracles, tremendous victories um, from actually uh, post-failed abortions where these people have grown up now, they became believers, and they are going around the world testifying about how the enemy tried to destroy and to, and to rob their life, but that God had a plan and purpose for them. So there is no such thing as an accident, as a mistake in God. We make mistakes, and we have accidents, and we do bad stuff, quote-unquote, right? But it's all bad, because Jesus said, who is good? <laughs> How do you possibly define good? Everything outside of him. So we don't need to carry the bondage and carry that baggage. It's all outside of Christ is bad. It is, uh, if it's not Christ then it wasn't perfect, and yet this very perfect Christ stepped into our timeline, stepped into our situation, and said to God the Father, don't look at their sins, look at me. Don't look at their mistakes, look at my blood. And that's incredible because, again, we just think, well, you know, I'm important, I'm not important, right? People think like that. People think, uh, you know, God, this, was, this is God's plan, and this is God's purpose, and, and this is not. This, this part of my timeline doesn't matter. You know, this is the part where I was off, and I did all these evil things, and yet it's the very things that God didn't do, but he knew you would do, to, and allowed it to get you to hear so that you would turn and set your eyes on him. In fact, I have said it many times that, you know, the people that fall the hardest, the people that have had the hardest times in their life, they become the most miraculous Christians. The ones that really have recognized the depths and we call it the depravity. The ones who have really truly recognized the lows of sin actually then become the most in love with Jesus, right? And become uh, incredible witnesses for him. So, of all the important people, quote-unquote, that could have come, why, why? Uh, were the disciples, I mean, why the disciples, wow, because I'm going to point to them in a moment too, why the shepherds were the only ones invited to Jesus' birthday party. And it's because of this. As I've already said, God doesn't do anything by accident, he does it with purpose. I read this commentary. It said, the time of Jesus' birth and what was going on in the earth, this was not the atmosphere that the Jews expected as the birthplace of the Messiah King. They thought their promised Messiah would be born in royal surroundings. And this commentator says, We should not limit God by our expectations. He is at work wherever he is needed in our sin-darkened and dirty world. I thought that commentary was awesome. Because who are the shepherds? Well, the, meanwhile, the world uh, would think insignificant. If you think of a shepherd, they're not too significant in the timeline of, of the world today, right? Do you think that the world leaders today are consulting with shepherds for what to do next? How do, we, how do we get into 2022? Well, there's a few shepherds. They're out in some fields. Let's go and ask them what they think. All right, well, what I found in my studies, you know, I love that we have, today we have, with technology, we can find information on anything. We find writings are compiled, and now we can find literally anything. And, and you know what's going to happen is little by little, they're really not going to, it'll probably be the moment that Jesus returns, because eventually there'll be so much pointing to him that they just can't deny it, right? And so Jesus will, will, will finally say, well, listen, you know, there's no hiding it anymore. 
And uh, so what I found in just some quick study is that even way back then, that there were some commentators of the time that the shepherds were living, Jesus' time, and um, this is what this writer, this Jewish writer, wrote of, of shepherds. And he said that the shepherds were dishonest, prone to violating Jewish law, and he even said, translating into English language, even mean people. These were mean guys, you know, and they were dishonest and prone to Jewish law. Now, we have no way of knowing the individual hearts of the specific shepherds that Jesus is about to have an encounter with here, but the point is, is that shepherds in general, just like the disciples, were fishermen and tax collectors. And just like today, again, tax collectors, it's a much-needed job. We're about to close out our year, so they are needed, but nobody loves tax collectors, right? Everybody's nodding in agreement, right? Everybody's thinking, no, I love, I love my tax. I love taxes, and I love those that come and call for my taxes. And fishermen, just like today, you wouldn't think much of fishermen. See, Jesus, the Bible says that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God does the opposite of what we expect. In fact, the Bible says that in his kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. God does exactly opposite of what we would think. What we think is important, God doesn't see as important. And what we think as little, God sees as extremely important. Which is why I say, you know, these big moments where you want to show to the world and show to God that I'm a Christian. I'm going to do this big thing for you right now. And I'm going to give this money to you, or I'm going to give my time to you in this significant way. I'm going to be a missionary, and I'm going to go for the next 10 days down to this country, and I'm going to serve you. And then meanwhile, you're sitting in traffic, and someone's trying to get in. You know when you do this? And you're closing the gap because you're like, you're not cutting in front of me. And, you know, I think the Lord looks at those little situations more than we realize. I think he says, okay, that's great. You went down there and served me for 10 days in this country. You went to Africa for a couple of weeks and served me. But, you know, it's not that I didn't, don't think I didn't see these little situations. You know, the little kind words, the little things that you can and can't do. You know, we could change a situation just by not saying something sometimes. Amen. And so we should note that, you know, God chooses the insignificant. But there's more to that. It's not just that they were insignificant. And it's not just that God chooses the foolish, but there was actually something even more. The Bible says here in this story, it says that they were shepherds. And specifically, if you go through your Bible, you actually find a lot about the shepherds, don't we? Right from the beginning of the Bible, all the way up until this moment, uh, even David himself was a shepherd, taking care of those few, remember his brother said to him, those few sheep, even David was looked at as insignificant, taking care of those, you know, he's there to observe this battle between the Philistines and the Israelites right before Goliath, and his brothers say to him, why don't you go back to those few sheep, all right, so uh, if David was a shepherd, and here we've got some shepherds, I'm going to pay attention, well, this is what's interesting, there was only three purposes at that time in history for raising sheep. Number one, the obvious, the most obvious is food. That would be the reason they were raising these sheep, to eat them. Whether you eat meat or not, 
I think most of us in this room do, but if you don't, sorry to offend you, but that's why they were raising them. The second was wool. Uh, it was one of the greatest sources of clothing for them was their coats, right? And then the third, which was extremely important for Israelites, was for animal sacrifice. The reason you were a shepherd is you're either raising these sheep to be, they're just not out there to look, you know, cool on that Irish hillside, right? You know, they're still out there today, right? <laughs> and they just look pretty. They were out there for food, for wool, and for animal sacrifice. This is what another commentator said. It said, God continued to reveal the news about his son, but not to those we might expect. Luke records that Jesus' birth was first announced to the shepherds in the fields. These may have been the same shepherds who supplied the lambs for the temple sacrifices that were performed for the forgiveness of sins. And here the angels invited these shepherds to greet the Lamb of God. That's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist points to Jesus and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's very likely that these shepherds knew exactly what the angel said when he said, you're going to find this child, and why it's going to be so significant is you're going to find him wrapped tightly in swaddling cloths. And a little bit of research didn't take me much. I found out that what the shepherds used to do to keep the lamb spotless, who knows your Bible history, and who knows that Jesus is the sinless, spotless lamb. And so what they would do to preserve the lamb before to be sacrificed is they would wrap it up tightly in cloth so that it couldn't get a mark or a scar before it be sacrificed, so that they could preserve it being a spotless lamb. And so when the angel said, this will be the sign that you will see a baby wrapped like we normally do, and the fact that it was in the animal, you know, to be in this, this stable, to be where the animals were, so that it, you could get the symbolism here that it's no longer a lamb, it's no longer the blood of this lamb, but it's going to be the blood of this child. And that's why for, the, for these shepherds, when they saw it, were so overwhelmed and why they went everywhere and began to talk about it because that was their, literally their job was to take care of these sheep for the sacrifice. They understood that this lamb that I'm raising right now is to represent my sin. And here's the promise in Bethlehem, in Nazareth, in Galilee. Here's the, the, uh, the baby that we've been waiting for, wrapped up just like the lambs that I've been wrapping up every year for these sacrifices. And there he is finally to take my place. Isn't that incredible? I believe that God chose them for multiple reasons because that's what he does. He does things on so many levels, and one is for, for sure because he knew that millions of readers would read the scriptures throughout the years and that G the Lord even knew that we would act out this scene in Christmas plays all over the world. He knew that ahead of time, and you just see them as these characters there and wonder, like, you know, what are they doing here? And yet, 
They're significant. They're all over the stages, you know, across, uh, certainly across America, even probably on this day, a Sunday after Christmas. You, I can guarantee you that this is being acted out right now somewhere. And there they are, so significant, these shepherds. Simultaneously, he's showing us so many things that they were the humble, the small, the little, but also that these are the ones who are literally greeting the lamb. They're, they're, getting the, the lamb ready for what he was truly here for. And it's not just to be a, a cute little lamb on a hill as a, a cute baby in a manger, but that he came for a purpose. And that his purpose is truly to be prepared for where he's going to end up, which is as a sacrifice. Amen. And then the second thing is uh, ultimately is that Jesus, the Bible says, and you can look on your own time, but in Ezekiel 34, that Jesus is the great shepherd, and it's not, a, it's not a coincidence that he brought these shepherds, because the Bible says that there were shepherds, that those that were supposed to watch over his people, the reason Jesus finally comes on the scene is because those that were put in place to stand in the gap and to lead his people, right? He calls them blind leading the blind, right? He calls them brood of vipers because those that were supposed to be leading the people, they had gotten distracted and they had gotten into religion and they had forgotten. They had gotten into, into even selling animals for profit, right? We know that because Jesus comes in really upset and it become this whole system of religion. And the Bible prophesies in Ezekiel 34, he says that he is the great shepherd, that one day he would come in and he would take the place. So even the symbolisms here, because God is so incredible, that on this very first Christmas that he took the shepherds and he brought them to the scene as the last human shepherds, the last ones, because this very lamb that you're going to sacrifice will become the shepherd that shepherds you. And I think that that's incredible, that the lamb would become the shepherd. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God incredible? And so I just want to bless you and just say Merry Christmas again to you. God loves us so much. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And the insignificant, small, little, silly things, that they're all weaved together. God is weaving them all together into this incredible, miraculous, very supernatural, not ordinary life and plan for us. Amen. So I just want to just pray. Thank you, Lord God, for being that lamb. Thank you, Lord, that you came as an innocent lamb and you were wrapped, Lord, you were wrapped in that manger for us. You were prepared for us to take our place. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood was shed for us, Lord. And we are celebrating your birth, but your birth, you were born to take our place, Lord. So we just thank you and praise you. And we love you. And again, Lord, we thank you for 21. We thank you, Lord, for this year. This is the last time we'll be together. And we just want to say thank you for this year, Lord. With all of its ups and downs, Lord, and the time we're living in, we're going to look ahead to 2022, Lord, with, with eyes, Lord, just like the shepherds, just like the wise men, Lord, that you have a plan and purpose, and there is something ahead of us, Lord. You, there are suddenlies and miracles ahead of us, and we are grateful and thankful, Lord, that you're leading us into those times. We are not wandering, but you are the shepherd leading us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We praise you and give you glory. Amen. Amen.